Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I'm your host Danny, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Rosie Hart. Rosie is an online coach herself. She has her own podcast. She is an IFBB pro and a former competitor. So Rosie, first of all, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and actually how you got into the bodybuilding industry and what you achieved during your competitive career because you did have a very successful one? Yeah, thank you for having me on and hello everybody. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it feels so funny now sometimes even talking about my bodybuilding because it really does feel like such a world away but um it's always I have to go back into my memories to actually remember what I did yeah (laughs) but I started originally I was a dancer so I'd done dancing from the age of three and that was always going to be my kind of dream job or career whatever so I was in my um second oh no my final year of university doing contemporary dance and I was told that I needed to build up my strength so that I could improve my kind of dynamism of dancing my skills as being a strong dancer so I started lifting weights and at the same time I met met my ex-partner who was really into weightlifting and training and I guess because maybe because of years of dancing previously my body just responded to the weights very quickly so within like a matter of say four weeks I could see physical like aesthetic changes in my body and it was very exciting yeah um So it kind of started like that. And by the end of my degree, I'd pretty much swapped over to bodybuilding from dancing. Um, It was just like this bug that that caught me and I was really hooked on bodybuilding. And I stayed with my partner for 10 years and we just went on this kind of um, journey to see how well I could do. Um, So I started around 2004 training. I did my first competition, I think, in 2007, um, which I won. And that was uh, with a natural federation. And straight away, I just wanted to jump over. I wanted to start taking supplements. I wanted to start taking steroids and all these wild things that I was up for. Um, And I, I went over to NABBA, competed with them, got my... British title in trained figure I think which was like 2010 and the the goal even from 2007 I knew that I wanted to get to the Olympia that was the goal I wanted to be a bodybuilder on the Olympia stage and I set myself the goal to do it by the time I was 30 so even like years and years before I set this really long goal and I was like okay let's just dig in and start working towards this then um and then around about 2012 i'd swapped over to uk bfs because i knew that that was the route at the time to to try and get your pro card as hard as it was back then yeah um (laughs) and i won the british as a bodybuilder so that was actually probably one of my highlights of my bodybuilding because i was so tiny compared to everyone else and had a lot of people sort of maybe laughing a little bit at my dream to be a bodybuilder and when I was telling people I'm going to get to the Olympia stage I think they were like what is she talking about so that was a real highlight for me because I was like ha 
<laughs> told you yeah. I'd be a bodybuilder. Um, and then I got an invite to the Arnold's as a bodybuilder. I think I got second at that. I can't actually remember, or it might have been third. And then that's when they started changing things and brought in the women's physique, which at the time I really hated this idea because I loved the freaky, extreme female bodybuilding. But actually this change turned out to be something very, very good for me because I was a little bit caught up in the trying to get bigger, trying to be freaky. And I think if they hadn't have brought in the women's physique, which, which is a lovely, a lovely, which was a really comfortable place for me to sit without yeah. going to extreme with um, steroids and stuff. I think if they hadn't have brought that in, it's a little bit worrying actually how I might have been, um, how I might have put pressure on myself and the things that I might have done yeah. um, to get to that, that level that those girls were at. So I did the, the women's physique and I got my pro card in 2015 in women's physique, um, which was amazing. I was really very excited on that day. And then the following year, 2016, I went off to do my first pro show, which I won in Dallas and got to the Olympia. So turned pro 2015 a year later I'm stood on the Olympia stage like an absolute deer in headlights I didn't have a clue what was going on what I was doing that's amazing really, uh, it was it was incredible but it's so funny because actually when I got to the Olympia it was it, it was awful for me I think because after I got my pro card I probably deep down wasn't spiritual spiritually aligned with bodybuilding anymore yeah, it was more like I still was just doing it because of the um, identity that I'd created and the momentum and the pressure to become better and yeah. the competitive energy that was got running through me and the need to prove to people who I was and what I could do. Yeah. That was still kind of controlling my behaviors. But deep down, I, I wasn't really happy doing it anymore. So and I hadn't mentally prepared myself for the Olympia stage. Yeah. So I'd spent all these years conditioning my mind and conditioning my, myself to believe that I would get my pro card. The minute I got my pro card, I was like, oh, God, now I've got to try for the Olympia. And I really only had a year to condition myself to believe that. Yeah. So it was kind of like I wasn't mentally prepared and I wasn't actually aligned with it. So from the time that I um, stepped on the Olympia stage, I then did another two more competitions, but actually I started to look worse and worse. My body wasn't responding the way that it used to do. I couldn't drop body fat. I couldn't seem to peak at my competitions. My placings were getting lower. I was getting health problems. So it was kind of like this realization then that I needed to step out. Yeah. And actually it was my body that made me step out because I was suffering so badly with uh, health issues because of what I was trying to force myself to do because I was stuck in this identity that my body was like, okay, we're going to take you out because you're really going to hurt yourself. So I was forced really. Um, and I was very happy when I made that decision in 2018, I think it was the March, I was like, okay, I am done with bodybuilding. That's it. I, it was such a relief. And I remember pouring a glass of red wine 
and just drinking it and being like, oh my God, I'm so relieved that I've finally said it. When you made that decision, Rosie, immediately, did you know that you would never compete again? Or were you like, maybe I will, I'll never say never sort of thing? No, I knew 100%. I knew 100% and I'd known for the years previous that I didn't want to do it but I was completely ignoring my my gut instincts oh so it was like it was like a a breath out and it it felt like I'd been holding my breath for two years and I could finally go so yeah it was a good feeling and I think that's so important to recognize, you know, like you said, sometimes your body gives you signs and you've yeah. got to listen to what your true goals and values are and make mm. sure that your actions are aligned with that. Yeah. And it was like, I was asking myself the questions, why am I actually still doing this? And it really wasn't because I loved it anymore. I was not enjoying the training. My health was not good. I didn't feel mentally well. Um, I was not able to um, create solid foundations with my career because I was so exhausted. Um, And I guess, I think maybe I was like 37 or something. And I just started to, I guess like I was just starting, my values were changing. Yeah. I wanted a different thing for my life and, and the bodybuilding was hindering it, not helping it. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So what positives did you sort of gain from your time in the bodybuilding industry? Because I know obviously there's a lot of negatives that you experience, especially towards the end, but there's also a lot of positives to be sort of like taken away from that. Yeah, and there's so many. And I I really try not to, like anyone else that I see kind of going through some a similar journey to me, I really try, at one point I used to feel a little bit, protective over them because I've kind of come out this other side and I've got all these insights and (laughs) all this like knowledge and I used to feel a little bit protective over people and think oh no they're they're, going to do this they're going to experience that and and then they're going to regret it or you know trying to kind of project what I'd experienced onto what I'm seeing in them and I really try not to do that now and just sit back and be like well hold on I got a lot out of that experience and they're also going to get a lot out of it and they're kind of on their own journey but I guess it built my Instagram following so I have this incredible community of people that I'm able to connect with and share whatever message I want to so as I change and grow my message now is nothing to do with bodybuilding but I have this community of people that are growing with me yeah that I can share my vibration share and um expand what i believe in and and help that raise other people up so i'm very grateful for that it's it's given me a a platform to make a career out of yeah you know to to be able to speak to people that trust me and know me and so they want to invest in me as well so it's given me that <laughs> which i'm very thankful for um also, I guess all the all the things like um, you know, mental toughness, physical toughness, resilience, those things I'm incredibly grateful for because although I don't kind of actively use those things every day now, I can kind of I can click into that whenever I want. Yeah. So when you've been someone that's trained incredibly hard and got through like horrific diets and you've overcome things that perhaps you thought you couldn't 
that stays with you and you can transfer that over to anything. So any other business that I want to start, anything that happens in a relationship, if I experience some sort of loss or trauma, I have it within my being, this resilience and toughness that never goes. That's there. Yeah. I know I can get through shit. Yeah. So um, go on, sorry. I was just saying that's amazing as well. And it's just one of the one of the positives that there really is to be taken away from bodybuilding, that sort of like resilience and the ability to apply that to other aspects of life. Yeah, it's incredible. I guess it's like always trying to create a balance within that. So when you do bodybuilding, you do have to take it to the extreme. I took it to the extreme that way. And then there usually comes a point where there's this kind of catapult back because it will impact you in a way that is damaging to be incredibly tough on yourself. So eventually it can get to a point where you're actually not listening to your body at all. You're just pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's that kind of do or die approach that bodybuilding has that can be incredibly damaging. And I'm completely aware of that you have to step into that mentality to be a champion bodybuilder. I did it, but I'm also completely aware of the flip side and what it can do to you. And if you push through, keep pushing through the limits, you can really regret it. There can be some yeah. um, problems on the other side. So from looking back in hindsight and with the information I have now, I am more wary. And this is where I say that I feel protective over people because I can see them in that state of mind where I was. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like maybe you need a rest day or, or maybe you need to just like do some yoga for a week or something you know so it's kind yeah. of pushing and getting that mental resilience but for me now it's about also caring for yourself yeah. and standing still and not pushing yourself actually yeah do you know if you could say if you could go back in time would you do anything differently throughout your bodybuilding career Hmm. I guess I would have, um, I wouldn't have taken as many steroids. And I guess like when I started bodybuilding, there wasn't as much social media as there is now. There wasn't, you didn't really have coaches yeah. back then. And there wasn't as much information out there about the science of bodybuilding. It was very much like, you would just find out information off the guy in the gym that had done a bodybuilding competition. So with, with the knowledge that I have now and after, cause I, I, I don't do female bodybuilding coaching now, but I did do that. And after doing that for a while and realizing that um, actually to be a really good bodybuilder, you have to take a holistic approach, which I didn't. Yeah. Until the last two years when I had to because my gut health was so bad and, and all these other things. But I probably would have um, delved a little bit more into the science of it all, understood what was going on with my body emotionally, energetically, physically, mentally. So taking that over all kind of well-being approach, I would have done fasting. Yeah. Which is something I do a lot now, but kind of like the belief then would have been... <gasps> oh, you're going to lose muscle or you need this much protein to keep your muscle. So I would have done complete days without any protein. 
I would have done days fasting to let my gut rest because the whole thing of you are what you eat, but it's more you are what you absorb. So if your gut function is compromised, it's absolutely pointless shoveling in any more food. You're not absorbing or like assimilating any of it. So I would have listened to my gut. The whole thing about my bodybuilding was ignoring my gut ignoring my gut instincts so I would have listened to myself a lot more as well and tuned into so I guess it would have been a balance of learning more about the science but also being intuitive and trusting my own instincts with my body and what I needed step by step yeah that's cool that's really useful insight and so we've spoken a little bit about some of the negatives you experienced during your time competing like mental and physical you know you've mentioned gut health and um, the way that you were feeling mentally how long did it take you to get back to a place where you were really mentally and physically healthy and you'd reverse those negatives and what did you do to get there so it took quite a while um like I think it's about two years now and I think it takes a lot longer than you think for all these things to balance back out I I also had a 10-year binge eating yeah habit when I was bodybuilding which was fun and (laughs) so I kind of overcame that with um something called neuro-linguistic programming yeah so I actually got rid of this whilst I was still bodybuilding um, and I, st- it, it was so powerful that I went and got my neuro-linguistic programming uh, certificate to become a practitioner. Um, so I do that now with my clients. That's one of the therapeutic things that I, I work with people around eating issues, um, as well as other, any pattern of behavior that people feel is limiting them. Yeah. So I did some work on the, on the eating. The eating was one of the biggest things that that took time to unravel afterwards because we, if you think about, I was bodybuilding for 15 years and our eating patterns are so dysfunctional when we're bodybuilding, whether it's believing you've got to eat six times a day, whether it's believing you have to have protein with every meal, that you can't miss a meal or that you have good food, bad food, all these kind of things that are programmed into us or we program into ourselves takes a little bit of work to, to get rid of those programs or to create new programs anyway. Yeah. So I would say it took me, I, I probably recovered from it all fairly quickly. I think because of the knowledge that I already had and I'm a very inquisitive person and I'm very much about um, owning my own shit and self-treating getting myself sorted so i don't tend to sit and wallow and think oh god i've got this eating problem i'll be like right let me read this book okay i'm going to do this course um (laughs) so i think it took me less time maybe than it it might for others so if i say that it took me about a year to come out of it i i wouldn't want people to feel pressured to do it in a short time sometimes it might take longer for people and that's okay too it's kind of like depending on how long you were doing bodybuilding and how extreme you were you got to be patient and give yourself time to unravel and and balance out the chemistry of your body 
So if you think for 12 years, I was taking uh, testosterone and different hormones, fat burners. So my adrenals, my cortisol, my liver, my kidneys, my gut, all these functions were compromised and taken, take, took my biology out of its natural state. And it'll probably never go back to how it was. Like I will always have probably slightly higher uh, testosterone than I did before or than a normal woman. Yeah. Um, because it, again, of the, the muscle tissue that I've, I've got, which will naturally always keep me at a higher testosterone level. So some of the things that I found incredibly helpful um, to deal with these problems, one of the biggest things was getting on an anti-inflammatory diet. Yeah. So getting everything out of my system that could be creating any inflammation. So getting my gut health optimized was huge for me. It completely changed everything for me because the gut um, affects every other function in the body. Yeah. If the gut is inflamed and there's issues going on in there, your thyroid could be affected, your mood could be affected, all your neurotransmitters. So you might be feeling uh, chronic fatigue, but it might actually be that there's inflammation in the gut. So I did about, I think I did about eight weeks on this anti-inflammatory. And I do, again, I do this with a lot of my clients. I have um, an incredible um, health screening process that I do with people. Um, and if anybody listening to this would like to do that for free to find where their markers are for lots of different functions, please message me because I love it. I love yeah. doing it. So um, really just making sure that all of my functions are balanced and kind of working in harmony. I did that for about eight weeks and that calmed my whole system down. And then from that point, you can then start to tune into your intuition around hunger. Because if your gut and hormones and all these things are out of balance, you might still be having sugar cravings. You might be having energy crashes. So it's very hard to start tuning into your intuition around your body and what it needs when your whole system is out of balance. Yeah. How can you trust the signs and signals that it's sending you? Um, and how can, if you can't sleep properly because your chemical balance is, is all out of whack, then your hunger uh, signals are also going to be out of whack. So getting chemical and getting your body bio, body's biology um, in a really good place is a great place to start. Um, okay. And then doing the work on eating patterns um, and creating new beliefs and um, patterns. And it's your brain chemistry as well, like the reward loops that you might have got for me because of the binge eating. I had these um, reward loops built in around, say, cheat days. So I had to rewire my brain with things like hypnotherapy and NLP. Yeah. Um, so I have some notes here, let me see, because I don't want to miss anything out. Um, yeah, so I, I really went into um, just really like holistic stuff. I was getting a lot of massage. I stopped weightlifting completely. Yeah. So I let my body rest and started doing a lot of stretching. I went back to my dancing. 
Um, yeah, so I, also like with the eating patterns, it, the, the binge eating and bodybuilding became my biggest teacher. So when we have something like binge eating, for example, or emotionally in which is what I was left with afterwards, instead of just feeling like something's happening to you and you can't control it, you can kind of step back and say, okay, this is happening for me. What can I learn out of it? So instead of labeling myself as an emotional eater, I was like, okay, what actually is the emotion that I'm feeling when I eat? Yeah. So I would start to learn all of the things that were repressed in me, the emotional uh, suppressed and repressed parts of me. And I was able to bring them to light. So bodybuilding for me and for a lot of people is a complete distraction from sitting still and just being with yourself. Because yeah. we find it so hard to sit with ourselves because it's uncomfortable. There's anxiety, there's grief, there's uh, insecurities, there's sadness. There's, there's all these feelings inside of us from childhood and things that are going on in our lives that maybe aren't that great, but we, we're very good at ignoring them and just putting them to one side. So bodybuilding for me was a huge distraction and avoidance of lots of things from childhood. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of people almost get into bodybuilding or start a prep to almost like mask certain issues as yeah. an ever cover up, but it doesn't resolve those issues and they're still there when that prep is over or whatever. A hundred percent. And it, listen, don't get me wrong, it can be a great tool to feel good and it can be a crutch if things are really bad if we need that crutch to stay standing, I'm not going to kick it from underneath you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great to be able to see, to, be, to at least be aware that it's a crutch and we are ignoring something that's going to keep tapping on your shoulder until you listen to it. So for me, stopping bodybuilding, it was like a opening the floodgates. 15 years of absolutely avoiding <laughs> like all the deeper sadness. And what happened for me was... I actually went through a, a grieving process because I lost my father when I was a child and I had never dealt with it. So at 37, because I took away all this avoidance and distraction, and then all of a sudden I was just able to sit with myself. I was like, oh my God, I'm grieving. This is weird. And I felt all these new feelings like loneliness and depression and but it was incredible because I was able to actually bring them out and allow myself to sit with them, which also then made me realize that a lot of the things I'd been doing with bodybuilding were creating this kind of external um, support system. So I was super strong, but it was just an armor because deep inside I felt incredibly powerless and weak. Yeah. And, and so now when I stopped bodybuilding, I was given the chance to look at these internal fragments and these cracks, and I was able to fill them in internally so that I no longer needed to do extreme things or prove to anyone that I was the best or build up my confidence or get respect off people because I felt it inside internally. I felt my own power inside. I didn't need to prove anything to anyone. Yeah. So it was like this mad process for two years where it was like a, 
a mental breakdown or a spiritual awakening, whatever way you want to look at it. It was incredible. And I cried so much. It was so intense. But when you come out the other side, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes you have to, you know, you've got to recognize and allow yourself to feel certain emotions in order to work on them and get, like you said, get out the other end. Yeah, because we've, it, it's like societally, we're kind of conditioned to believe that some emotions and some feelings are positive and some are negative. So all we do is try and feel these positive feelings. And the minute we feel anything that's not happy, rejoicing, um, love, we start to judge ourselves and feel that we shouldn't be feeling that. And then we start to run away from it. And we're like, oh, oh, like there's something wrong if I'm not feeling happy. And then we just completely create a whole heap of suffering by trying to run away from the pain. If we can just sit in the pain, we save a whole lot of suffering. Yeah. <laughs> and we can listen to all the feelings and sensations are valid. They're there to tell us something. Okay, I'm feeling sad. Why? What am I missing? How can I give myself what I'm missing? What do I need? Do I need to stay still? Am I working too hard? But we just, we're just kind of like conditioned to ignore those parts of us or judge them. Yeah, that's really insightful. And so you mentioned nutrition previously and how you sort of like healed your gut. You got yourself into a really mm. good place. How is your diet now, your nutritional habits, how are they now in comparison to when you were bodybuilding and what's changed? They're so different now. Um, I have zero plan ever. I haven't got a clue from one day to the next what I might eat. Um, I guess I have my kind of favorite foods. Um, so I know that I like bananas and apples as fruit. I know that I like porridge. So I have these kind of staple things that are in the house all the time. Um, but often it'll be like, oh, what's in the cupboard? I'm hungry, what's in the cupboard? And I'll have a little look and it's like, oh, I'm just going to have some peanut butter. <laughs> like I'm a very snacky person. I find that actually because of all the pressure I put on my gut, I can't actually eat big portions of food anymore. Yeah. Um, it just, my, my body just won't digest it properly. Um, so I snack, I have like little fruits or I'll have a bowl of porridge or like in general, I eat quite healthily because I guess the main focus for me now is, is health. I want to feel good. So I'm listening to my body and my gut. Finally, Jesus Christ, like it took me long enough. But in the morning, if I wake up, if my stomach doesn't feel like it's ready to digest food. So for example, if you wake up, it's usually a good sign if you go to the toilet at some point and, you know, get rid of the food that was digested the day before. If that doesn't happen, I won't be eating. I don't eat unless my body is giving me the cues that it's ready. And sometimes when you wake up, you can feel your stomach still feels a bit heavy. And then if I wait until say 1 p.m., it'll, I can hear it switching on. It starts to gurgle and I can feel it moving around. So I will listen to that. And then I know I'm ready to eat. 
Yeah. Some days I eat as soon as I wake up. Like that's just what it feels like. Um, if I am, um, I'll be very aware of what my hunger signals are. So we have lots of different types of hunger signals and it can be confusing for people to know what the signal is. So I know if I got a really poor sleep, I'm going to have a lot of hunger signals the next day, but it doesn't mean I actually need food. Yeah. It just means that I've got a lack of energy through poor sleep and my body's confused, seeking energy, and it's telling me I need food. So I'm listening, but from a place of really looking at all levels. Um, if I want to eat cake, I have cake. If I want to go out for pizza, I'm going to eat. I really just eat very much what I want, but health and reducing inflammation is always a factor for me. So I'm always going to be looking out for things like, does my, does my nose feel blocked when I wake up in the morning? Do my eyes look nice and white or are they a little bit red, reddened? So usually if I'm having little funny symptoms or say, are my nails a bit weak? I'll start to pay attention to these signals. What's my skin like? And then um, tweak my food depending on that. Yeah. But there's just a lot of playing around and, and just intuition and listening. Yeah, that's really good to know. So basically you've broke down a lot of the sort of attachments to certain routines that you had during bodybuilding and you're now much more in tune with your body and you're a healthier individual as a whole. Yeah, there's absolutely zero plan and zero tracking yeah. and zero care about weight or checking what my body looks like. Like I'm never looking to see how my food is impacting my aesthetic appearance. And did and you the, sort of, um, did you gradually transition away from that structure or did you go sort of, right, no more structure, I'm going straight to listening to my body, no more tracking or anything like that? It was kind of, um, it was fairly quick, but I had to go through different processes. So one of the things that I did and I, I loved this phase. I went through a phase of eating through purely desire. So all I ever did was only eat what I wanted, which tended to be chocolate <laughs> and like junky foods. So I went through different phases as the year went on. Um, and I spent something like a whole month only eating junk food. But the whole process was about me eating this junk food without judgment yeah without feeling guilty without feeling like it was a um a bad food or without feeling like that would mean i would gain fat so our beliefs really govern our reality our beliefs are so powerful so it was about me creating new patterns and connections with certain foods so that I could then integrate them into my normal day without feeling those old feelings that I used to have that, Oh God, I've fallen off my diet. Yeah. But that was such a fun time. I had like a whole month of just eating cake and, but then of course I realized that my health was suffering. So yeah, as a result, but it's almost <laughs> yes. it's something you had to go through to get to the point where your health was in a really good place. Yes. So it's all yeah. part of the process. Yeah. And it's really like <laughs> one of the biggest things is 
if anyone's going through something like this around food and they're trying to transition out of um, the bodybuilding kind of way of eating and, and worrying about the weight and all that kind of thing, it's really helpful to start to look at your food and the way you, you're eating as a teacher. So to start looking at everything as a lesson, okay, so I binged today, I had a massive binge. Why, what happened there? And start to journal, write down what happened that day. Were there any triggers that created a feeling of sadness or something that led to the binge? Did I have a really poor sleep, which meant I was craving? So you're starting to, to look at things and become the observer. So yeah. stop feeling like you're in the middle of this like whirlwind that's controlling you. Step outside of it. Stop judging yourself. Stop thinking that there's something wrong with you or you're broken or you can't step out of this because you absolutely can. Um, and just start learning from it. Yeah. And, and just know that every time you do do, do something with a binge or a, a pattern, you're getting more information about what's going on and how to step out of it and into the new. Yeah, that's great. And like learning from your experiences rather than just feeling stuck in it and judging exactly. yourself for your behaviours yeah yeah um and so transitioning over to sort of training you mentioned you went through a period where you didn't resistance train at all you didn't lift weights how long was that for and what does your training now look like so i didn't i think i did when i finished bodybuilding i did something like three months without any movement whatsoever <laughs> like i barely even walked i was so resistant to do anything yeah and I think it's really good to do that and allow yourself to just be like, I am not doing anything because I just don't want to. And then it's reconnecting to the value in movement. It's reconnecting to something that feels good and not doing something just through habit or because you should do or you have to. So it's like taking away all those things that we've kind of gotten used to where we act out of should, should do's and pressures. So then after that, I was still actually doing personal training. So I was still kind of in the world and I still felt a little bit of pressure to practice what I was preaching. Yeah. So of course, when you're in the gym environment and people are coming to you to look a certain way, you feel, oh, well, I, I probably should do, I should do this, should do that. So I was still training a little bit at the gym and I was kind of enjoying it. And what I found was um, I started training just for posture, which I absolutely loved. So I was not lifting heavy. I was learning about functional training. I was really bringing uh, dancing and stretching and mobility back to the forefront of, of what was important for me. And I was really seeing my body change and I loved it. But seeing it change as in I was losing a lot of muscle and I was coming back to a much more sustainable, natural body type and more mobile I was able to move and I felt incredible I was and and through that it was like opening my shoulders up and realigning my whole spine and loosening up my pelvis so I spent a lot of time doing that and I really that was very powerful as well similar to the anti-inflammatory um, nutrition that I followed this postural training was huge for me as well 
Yeah. Um, and then when I stopped personal training, and the reason why I stopped personal training was because I was really not aligned with helping people change the way they look. I did not want to do that anymore. I want to change, help people change the way they feel. And then they look good. Yeah. So I found it too hard. I wasn't aligned with the bodybuilding coaching anymore. And I wasn't aligned with doing the, the, the fat loss because so many people were coming for me to get them to lose fat so they could be happy. And I was like, mm, that's not how it works. So I had to move over to the therapeutic coaching so that I could help people from the core. Um, and then you realize actually your body just looks incredible when you feel great. And then you make, um, you make choices from a place of really wanting to feel good and be healthy, which often means you do start to move. You do want to do exercise. So for me now, um, I'm studying to be a somatic movement therapist. So a lot of the stuff that I do now is just lying on the floor. And it's about intuitive movement. So you just kind of start by rolling the spine. You do like spinal curls, extension. Um, and then from there, you might just start to move and unroll the body. And it looks a little bit weird and wonderful. But for me, that's what I like now. Yeah. Um, but again, with the exercise, it's very intuitive. So I don't have a plan. I listen to my body. So, for example, the last few days I've been working a lot online and my neck started to hurt. So the last two days I've been doing a lot of um, yoga and stretch work to open up my chest and my shoulders. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I need to be out in nature for my well-being. Maybe I feel a little bit tense or like I'm, I'm getting a little bit uh, projecting externally instead of feeling introspective so maybe i just go for a big hike and get out in nature yeah. into the middle of nowhere maybe i do my somatic therapy movement or what i do also do is sometimes i start to realize that my knees feel a little bit weak and unstable so i do a little bit of strength work i do a little bit of uh, resistance um i call it my granny workouts yeah i'm doing like a grandma <laughs> it's like for functional stability longevity all of the good good stuff so yeah. absolutely i'm still an advocate for resistance strength but why are we doing it do we need to do it every single day and are we actually creating anxiety and tension in our bodies because if all we do is tension style exercise you're building tension patterns in your body which creates tension in your nervous system we end up chronically in our sympathetic, the fight or flight. So anybody that's in kind of the bodybuilding world now, if you're also struggling with a bit of anxiety um, or tension, absolutely start to put a bit of yoga or stretching in to balance it out. We, we have to put in the expanding, um, releasing, relaxing kind of exercise as well. Yeah, yeah. That makes complete sense. So do you, do you sort of set yourself a, a number of sessions per week that you try and get in or do you just solely listen to your body? I just listen to my body. Yeah. I haven't got it. Like I really have no clue what I'm going to do from one week to the next when it comes to food and, and exercise. And I guess there's something that I'm kind of, kind of exploring at the moment now 
because I guess that there will have been a bit of a resistance from me to have any kind of structure at all. Yeah. So I'm kind of exploring at the moment how beneficial would it be for me to actually put in a little bit of discipline. Yeah. Because sometimes it's like, okay, um, again, with the intuition, when I was talking about food, if you say that you're intuitive eating and you say, oh, my intuition tells me I want a chocolate cake. It's like, "Mm, no, let's just stop. You're craving because you didn't sleep well. Your intuition does not. So the same with exercise. Sometimes I could be like, oh, my intuition's telling me that I need to rest today. And I just need to lie down. But actually, it might just be me being a little bit avoidant of going outside because it's cold. Yeah. So there's, I'm kind of exploring a little bit at the moment. It, implementing a little bit of discipline because actually that is what's best for me. I know that if I move every day, I feel better. I have yeah. less anxiety. I can focus on my work. I've, I've less stress, so I'm more present with my clients. So it's, it's definitely something that I'm still playing with and exploring and seeing whether some sort of structure is beneficial. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where you decide you want to again, manipulate training and nutrition in order to reach a certain body composition related goal? Or do you think you will never do that again? I will never do that again. That is just not a thing. (laughs) it's not a thing and the thing is it's like like what 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 would I be doing it for so I don't know what like like the reasons why we do these things why why are we doing them like these are the questions like are we doing it to to feel better like to have more confidence so what are our beliefs around the way we currently look that are not allowing us to live our life to the fullest because we have a little bit of a roll of fat on our stomach. We can't be happy. We don't deserve love. Uh, like, so it's like these deeper layers of what's driving us and knowing that if we are holding a bit of body fat, like an unhealthy level um, or the certain things that are kind of out of balance, if we, if we deal with the emotional layers and our, our kind of the way we look at ourselves, the way we judge ourselves, and also the, the balance of our biology, you, you just don't end up with um, issues with uh, body fat and things like this. Yeah. And you should, should really like be able to hold a healthy amount of muscle with really minimal like the, the kind of training that I used to do before, you really just don't need to do that extreme. To Obviously to be a, a professional bodybuilder you do, but to yeah. be healthy and strong and, and live a long, good quality of life, you really don't need to do these extreme things. Um, yeah. So if I, ever did, if I ever did start to do that, I would be really questioning what, what is the motivation? What's the intention here? Yeah. That's great. It's great that you're now at a place where you are truly internally happy. So you don't feel the need to do that. It's, it's fantastic. It's great to hear. Yeah. Um, I think there's so many, so much pressure, isn't there? Yeah. To kind of look a certain way, especially with all the social media and there's so much pressure societally and culturally for women and men 
and and so many people that just don't feel good enough as they are yeah and for anyone that's going through this process maybe they've had extreme goals in the past such as stepping on stage and they're trying to get to a point like where you are now where they're truly internally happy and they've reversed all of these behaviors obviously there's a lot of difficult parts of that process what would your sort of biggest tips for those people be letting go it's it's letting go of so much to be able to step into the new um the new version of yourself so if there's something that you're hanging on to for example if someone leaves bodybuilding and they're finding it very hard to move forward with their life because they felt a sense of that was their identity and without it they don't know who they are or someone that had a six pack for five years. And if they stop bodybuilding or they stop tracking the food, they're going to lose that. So it would be a lot about letting go of those things. And how you do that is questioning. What is it that I feel like I'm gaining by having that? Yeah. And what is it that I feel that I'm losing if I don't have that anymore? So someone that feels confident, and unique with a six pack what are you holding on to okay so maybe you're holding on to attention um the feeling of being unique all these different things so it's like okay why do you feel like you don't have that without a six pack and it's about going internal so a lot of these things that we hold on to they're external their identities the the um possessions or, or whatever you know to try and keep us safe and feel like we're we're something it's about going internal and trying to find those things within so that you can let go of those crutches but i actually have i hope you don't mind me me sharing this as well oh, of course not of course not is that okay because there's a podcast that myself and my business partner have uh, claire mcgrath yes the yo-yo on and the first episode we did is called letting go of identities and we go into our experiences in such depth and about um a lot of the tools that we used to let go of some of those things that seem so hard to let go of but like all i can say is and if anybody listening to this wants to message me like if you're going through anything, anything, whether it's to do with tracking food, feeling unhealthy, um, worried about gaining fat, binge eating, any of it, just please message me because I will always answer and I'm happy to just chat away. Yeah. But if you want to go and head over and listen to that podcast as well, or I can give you the link to it because there's loads of really like cool um, tips and tools in there as well. But it's really just about like letting go of it and then finding yourself from the inside. Yeah, that's so <laughs> useful. And honestly, it's been such an insightful podcast and I'm sure so many people will benefit from listening to this. So where can people find you on social media, Rosie, if they're looking for you? So there's my Instagram page, Rosanna Hart. And there is also, I actually have on Facebook, um, I've just started a free community for yeah. anxiety and well-being. Anybody can come and join. 
and I'm always putting out free content for people to support people's health and well-being. So if anybody wants to message me on Instagram, Rosanna Hart, or on Facebook, and I can join you over to that free community as well, drop me a little message. That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rosie. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And thank you for listening, guys. Thank you.